You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. and welcome to Women at Warp, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Join us on our continuing mission to explore intersectional diversity in infinite combinations. My name's Jarrah, and thanks for tuning in. With me today are Grace. Hello! And Sarah. Hi! Before we get into our main topic, which is Kira, finally! (gasps) My girl! We have a little bit of housekeeping to do first. Our show is made possible by our patrons on Patreon. If you'd like to become a patron, you can do so for as little as a dollar per month and get awesome rewards like thanks on social media, watch along commentaries, and even customized loot boxes. Visit patreon.com slash women at warp for more info. And thanks so much to our patrons for picking all of our episode topics this month. One of the things that we did was this is the month with three release dates in it. And uh, all of our episodes have been picked by patron polls. So this is very cool. And another way you can support our show is you can visit our Tee Public store with Women at Work merchandise and other non-podcast specific but awesome track designs. That's at tpublic.com slash stores slash women at work. Also, this episode is brought to you by Text Expander and more about them later. Okay, Kira. So it's Kira time. It's Kira time. Those are the words we all wait to hear. We almost went seven years without devoting a full episode to Kira. For various reasons, but I, I think we were none of us were surprised when this was won the patron poll. I honestly think part of that was us always being like, no, when we do Kira, we're gonna do Kira. Exactly. We gotta do her justice. <laughs> I'm so glad you guys waited till I was here to do this one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember our very first Women at Warp episode, we talked about our favorite characters, and we had yeah. a problem because too many of us wanted to pick Kira. <laughs> so... Um... <laughs> Uh, yeah, it feels like it's, yeah, it's about time. I'm, I'm very excited. Oh my gosh, Kira, 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 Kira. Uh, so, I mean, as usual, when you do these character things, we usually talk a little bit about the background. I mean, I think pretty much everyone knows that, 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 that originally were the creators of DCS9 were looking at bringing back Ro Laren for this kind of role, but Michelle Forbes was, wasn't interested in, in being a series regular. And so we ended up with a somewhat similar, but I would say importantly differentiated character. Similar to, but legally distinct from. Yeah, just because she's a Bajoran woman who has lived through some awful oppression and has some justifiable anger issues to work out. She does have some distinct differences. Like she is very pro her faith. Yeah. Would not necessarily wear her earring on the wrong ear yeah as an act of rebellion (laughs) and you know even though she sometimes has challenges making change within the system she does kind of grapple with those issues and and sometimes you know sometimes breaks out of the system and sometimes breaks back into the system and (laughs) yeah and she obviously was never in starfleet yeah so in the deep space nine Bible, Kira's described as an outspoken critic of the pro- provisional government, having fought for freedom all her life and has angered her to see the older leaders throw it away through their petty dissensions. Mm. She's been trying without success to reach the Kai herself to air, air her grievances. And it's possible that she was sent by the government simply to get her outspoken voice out of earshot, <laughs> sent to Deep Space Nine. 
Don't you love that idea that she ended up on DS9 specifically because she wanted to speak to the manager and they were like, uh, oops, we misplaced you on a space station. Yep, and guess that backfired rather quickly when the station became surprisingly important. <laughs> and she did kind of get to speak to the manager. She got to speak to the emissary. Mm-hmm. And the prophets. And the prophets. She she got a lot of spiritual bang for her buck through the run of the show. Kaiwin is just like, you know, huddling over a... You're like in a closet somewhere just being like... <laughs> I deserved it more! <laughs> but yeah, the Bible says that, you know, at first Kira's not a support a supporter of the Federation. She prefers Bajor to be, remain independent of outside interests. As the representative of Bajorans on board the space station, she has no confidence in Sisko when he arrives. And that is very clear in the, in the first episode. Yeah. Uh, she also loathes the Cardassians. She committed atrocities against them in the name of freedom, some of which bother her. When others in the Bajoran underground begin a new wave of terrorism, she is forced into a moral quandary about tracking them down and bringing them to justice. Former terrorists consider her a turncoat. And the last point it says is she will come to respect and bond with Cisco, although they were con- will continue to have different agendas as new issues arise. Yeah, most of that stayed pretty on brand throughout the run of the show. Well, for sure in the in the, like the first two seasons. Oh yeah, definitely. They really plumb all of those kind of plot points, her, her issues with the Federation, her issues with the provisional government, her issues with the Cardassians. They had their Kira checklist right here and they were just done, 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 done. <laughs> what were your two both of your first impressions of Kira when you first watched Deep Space Nine? I mean, she's a very different female character. Than we saw from like Troy and Crusher and TNG. She's not in this kind of caretaker role. I do feel like there's kind of a pattern between Tasha Yar and her of people who have troubled past taking on the non-caretaker roles. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Troubled past and short hair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that's the, there's an on-off switch of uh, motherly caretaker and short hair angry. Yeah. Troubled past. <laughs> well, and they also both, her and Tasha, both come from, you know, uh, childhoods of oppression and violence against her family and her people. So there also is is kind of a similar theme there. I When I started watching Deuces 9, I actually started around, like, season three or four. So, actually, I think it was four. It was post-Wharf. So I kind of missed the really early stuff. But I, I really liked Kira immediately. And in retrospect, you know, glad I missed the Vedic Braille stuff. Vedic <laughs> toast. <laughs> and another notable thing about Kira that just ends up running is her having really boring love interests. Well, I'd like to I'd like to give my first impression of Kira real quick, and that was I I liked her immediately because she was a lady, but she was cranky. Mm-hmm. And you don't usually get to see women being angry treated as being justifiably angry. Yeah. I I loved that off the bat. Yeah. In our episode on male allies, we talked about how Cisco works with Kira and how it's cool to see him recognize her background of oppression and that her, her feelings and her, the way that she conducts herself is justified um, when you couldn't necessarily imagine Picard doing the same way. He'd just be like, you're not a Starfleet officer. <laughs> yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Let that go down as my in the record as my Picard impression right there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and then going back watching the premiere, I I love her shutting down Bashir's like frontier medicine line. It's yeah. just so great. <laughs> She's just like smashing things and yelling and telling Bashir to check his privilege. <laughs> yeah. I also really appreciated about her that so much in Star Trek, because it's cool and because we, the audience, think it's really cool and a lot of the characters are like, wow, what an amazing world we live in. Kira's just like, I'm stuck on this freaking spaceship. I don't want to be here. I don't want the Federation to be here. She's just got all the chips on her shoulder. Mm-hmm. Which I think makes for an interesting character contrast to a lot of what we had seen so far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone in Starfleet's just like, my purpose is to expand my horizons. <laughs> and Kira's is, my purpose is to call out all this bullshit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Extremely relatable. Yeah. I also like that... She's a character who has to, well, so, I mean, right away, we see her her connection to her religion and her relationship with Kaiopaka in, in the first season and her, like everyone else, kind of struggling to believe that Cisco's the emissary. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I think, like, those, the episode where, where Kaiopaka dies is, like, a really powerful episode for, for Kira and Opaka, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, rest in peace to Camille Saviola, who played Opaka, who died just uh, recently. Strong, strong first impressions. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so, well, let's, I feel like we need to dig into, should we start with, should we start with, with relationships? Yeah. I mean, we might as well. Why not? Chronologically, we start with Beryl, I think. <laughs> start with Beryl, but who can really tell? Yeah, I mean, like, she, you know, there's like occasionally other people who hit on her and things like that but like i guess first like real relationship brile man oh man he's really dull (laughs) as much as i don't think like i don't believe in like celibacy of clergy in the world i do question the idea of a like a priest or a spiritual leader sleeping with a parishioner and like the power dynamics there yeah that's a little messed up yeah, it's kind of like sleeping with your therapist. Ugh. Like he's he's in kind of this role of like a spiritual counselor to her. Yeah, and, but then he's just like, but I'm also having sex dreams about you. That's not a thing I would be comfortable to hear at all. Is this just just like a, a future thing where like Bashir sleeps with the pa- with his patients and Boral sleeps with his parishioners? <laughs> Have they managed a way to eradicate the uncomfortable sexual power dynamics? And if so, how? Yeah, I mean, I I do think that, like, you know, politically, I mean, politically, he almost becomes the Kai. So he also has a lot of political power. She has power in terms of her occupation and... And just being a badass. Yeah, I'm inclined to just see it more as, like, a 90s writer oversight that, like, people didn't have as well-developed ideas about consent. Mm. 90s. You had so much left to learn. But I don't know. I would have been kind of cool with it if they maybe hadn't had a hot priest <laughs> or if they had played it like like Fleabag. <laughs> I mean, hot might be a strong word here. Uh, I worry that someday we're going to get Beryl's actor is going to hear an episode of the show and just be like, why are they so mean? 
<laughs> I'm sorry, actor. And we'll have to come to terms with our judgment of how boring he is. The character, not the actor. The character, of course, yes. Yeah, like, it's really hard to make that character exciting because the writing is all just like, I'm super placid, but also horny. <laughs> Placid and horny is not a fun combo you would think it is, writers. But he doesn't have any, like, interesting flaws. Yes, yes. Like, he needs, I don't know, I mean, they just really set him and win up to be, like, a good evil dichotomy, and it makes him just seem a bit dull by comparison, I think. Yeah. Well, also, when you've got your good evil dichotomy and the evil is just so much more engaging and interesting than the good, you've kind of shot yourself in the foot there, haven't you? Like, maybe he just could have been more of a jerk. Like, not, like, you know, conspiring to kill people. Everybody loves a jerk priest, right? <laughs> maybe he could just be, like, secretly super egotistical or something. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of, like, what is a flaw that they could have given him? Just any kind of personality would have been nice. Yeah, and, and Kira could just realize that, like, mm, no. Yeah, Kira had to be the load-bearing personality in that relationship. Or Kira was going to break up with him, but then he had his brain removed oh, from no. his body, and she's like, oh, <laughs> no. I can't break up with him now. <laughs> like that episode of Seinfeld, she went to get some jujubes on the way to the hospital. <laughs> They've got space jujubes, right? Yeah. I mean, jump just sticks are just giant jujubes, right? Yeah, sure. Let's go with that. Okay, well, do we need to say anything more about Beryl, or is that just kind of like, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Pretty much. Beryl, we're sorry. Followed by a much more fascinating character, only because it was a low bar Shakar. (laughs) (laughs) Took a running leap at that low bar there. (laughs) But yeah, Shakar, Shakar, by contrast, is a much more interesting character, and I think it helps that we get to see them go through more in terms of a relationship and him sort of being there while more things happen to her and seeing her as a couple more with him, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll still say that because so I I do think it's interesting their resistance background Mm -hmm. and how they have this shift in roles from him seeing her as kind of like a little kid to seeing her as like relationship potential. It's also potentially problematic and they never really get into like, yeah, he used to see you as his kid. Gross. Now you're a, you're a woman now. Ooh, ooh. Mm. But I think like overall, it is helpful that you know he has kind of a legend status behind him. We get to see that he is flawed. He's kind of like cantankerous. You know, like he'll he'll fight for a cause just like she will. So they have things in common. But he is definitely a little bit more egotistical than and like less you know, selfless than Beryl was. Yeah. He's more flawed and therefore more interesting. Yep. Whatever ends up happening with him. I know we're saying he's better than Beryl, but gun to my head, I couldn't tell you right now. I'm completely spacing. Well, yeah, because I was was like, I know that they broke up. Like, I know that, you know, when she tells Odo that they're not really going to see each other anymore, and Odo's just like, yes, I've got a chance. But then, like, there's the whole end of the series, and I don't recall anyone being like, well, I called Shakar up about what the heck's going on with Kai Wynn, or whatever. 
it, it feels really like they kind of ran out of ideas for what to do with Shikar and were just like, well, let's let's see if we can make this Kira Odo thing happen. And he just kind of got the brush off in terms of storyline. Yeah, he's just like the head of the government, but it's something that, you know, he just, he's so devoted to it. But it's not worth like bringing him back again. Apparently. It's very important, but not interesting enough to bring in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can remember his name, and I remember his face, and I remember nothing else about him. Well, I remember him fighting with O'Brien in the episode where she's in labor. That was pretty cool, <laughs> him being a supportive partner and coming by <laughs> while she's giving birth as a surrogate. That, w- that I thought was a pretty cool partner moment. I mean, I like when him and O'Brien get yelled at for like fight having this weird <laughs> territorial fight over the body of the woman who's giving birth. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like it's so gross when him and O'Brien are like fighting about like who's going to be the one like looking at the baby coming out and like <laughs> uh... But, I mean, yes, it it is cool that, you know, he didn't blink an eye when she became a surrogate and was having a bit of a innuendo-laden relationship with Miles. (laughs) Oh, that was just a wacky plot line and on many levels. And yes, that's my technical terminology for when you have a baby be transplanted into someone else's uterus. Wacky. (laughs) They were on a collision course with wackiness. Yeah, I mean, I think that I would be interested. I we talked about it I think in our pregnancy and motherhood episode. Um and I know that there were there are different opinions on like how Bajoran birthing is presented of as like this like pe- process where you just really have to relax and it's like super peaceful. I mean, it makes a lot more sense than the Scientology birth where it's, you know, just as painful and intense, but you're just not allowed to outwardly express anything about it. Hmm. Well, and I do like that it it shows. Uh, like I know that we we had a debate about about that part of it in our episode, and not everyone agreed on it. Um, but I do like that it shows an example of surrogacy, like it's no big deal, because like it, it can be a big deal, and I think that there's like very valid debates to have around like commercial surrogacy. But I also know people that have chosen to be surrogates for parents who were, for example, denied adoption because of being same-sex couples, or who were biologically unable to to give birth, and have found it like a complex but rewarding experience. And so it is cool to show that like as a valid form of parenting. Yeah, it's always good to see that represent that more of that represented. And also just pre- to see pregnancy normalized in pop culture more is nice. They didn't just make her wear a big coat for a whole season. Yeah, because surprise, some some people get pregnant. Yeah, and she had the cutest maternity uniform. Oh, it was so cute. It was adorable. <laughs> it was like she was wearing a little jumper smock. Well, that that really just leaves, I mean, one more, which is um, Jake Sisko in that episode where they all get Bajoran drunk. That was creepy, but also <laughs> what teenage boy would not crush on Major Kira at least once, I ask you. But seriously, we got Odo. Odo's good. Odo, I feel like they had such an interesting platonic relationship that they didn't really need to go the romantic route. But at the same time, they did very deeply care for each other. So there's that. Yeah, I mean, we know that that Nana Visitor certainly felt that she didn't want Kira and Odo to be a couple and would have preferred that to remain platonic. And I think that is a very valid and important take. 
there is certainly an inclination in Star Trek and and at least was in other media that like you know everyone has to be paired up in heterosexual couples at the end. Yeah, you don't you don't have to do that, guys. That's um, it's not a must. Just saying, on multiple levels. That said, I'm definitely an Odo Kira shipper, oh. and <laughs> I think for me it was that Odo is. Like, she changes herself, and Odo supports her in that journey, but he loves her for who she is from the very beginning. Yeah, and that's pretty sweet. Yeah, so he's not like Beryl, who's like, you need to make peace with yourself or whatever, and he will literally cover up her crimes. <laughs> <laughs> but he also, like, counsels her really well, and she, I mean, I think she counsels him really well in, on many occasions about, you know, their their jobs and their relationships. And I am always drawn to to ships where you have a woman character who is super powerful and even to the point of being, like, <laughs> maybe a bit aggressive. And the male character is, like, not threatened by that and yeah. just supports her for who she is. That's always cool to see. Yeah. Which is also why I used to, my very first sh- ship was Janeway Chakotay. <laughs> Oh, memories. I was like, I just want to be a lady with a cause and a little bit of a temper and have someone make me a bathtub. (laughs) (laughs) Do we think that Odo, given the chance, would make Kira a bathtub? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he would be the bathtub. Yeah. That's a little (laughs) creepy, though. (laughs) That, mm, not sure how I feel about that statement. (sighs) I, I think they missed that in a discussion in uh, the kink episode. Yeah, I don't think we touched on that one. <laughs> I know that the, the His Way episode, though, is a pretty controversial one among fans. Yeah. It's the one where Odo is in Vic Fontaine's bar trying to train with fake hol- with hologram Kira. That was just a little, oh my gosh, seriously? I mean, the sad thing is we only get like, we don't get a lot of Vic, but when we do get, we get a few really good Vic episodes. And this one as a start is just not a great one. And also just as a concept, it's kind of eye rolling in the, oh, character needs to be, to get lessons in the ways of, you know, regular romance for Odo. And it's like, no, you, there's no right and wrong way to really do it if it works for you both. And uh, it just struck me as being very, Silly and not in the fun way. Although I do love a good, you know, nightclub set. So that's the one where, like, they go on a date and he thinks she's a hologram? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of weird. I mean, I think that it says a bit more about Odo as a character because ultimately she doesn't care for the, like, nightclub fantasy thing. Like, when she comes as herself, because he's like, this is weird, this isn't Kira, basically. And then... He's like, okay, I'll make you a new hologram, which our next episode is going to be on holograms and consent and holodecks and consent. So we can talk more about this, but. Oh, we got a lot to say there. But then when she shows up, she's also like, this is weird. I want to leave and just talk with you. Yeah. So I kind of like that, you know, ultimately Vic's plan kind of doesn't even work. And what Odo thinks he needs to know about romance isn't what he needs to know. He just needs to know how to have an open conversation. Yeah. That's much more fair, but at the same time, you feel like he'd be aware of the fact that she had kind of a weird incident, like, 
a while back of a guy trying to download mm-hmm. her physical form into the holodeck without her permission. So you, you'd hope you'd be a little more cool about that. Yep. I say again, you'd hope. It's questionable. Yeah. Also, you know, um, over this whole arc, Kira got an asymmetrical haircut and a cat suit. Which both look great, but both definitely kind of veer away from the original vision of her being the angry, I don't have time for this lady. Yeah, she started with like these big square shoulder pads and kind of like platform boots or like low heeled boots and yeah. like her shoes just get higher and higher. They it's definitely like... de-butch her somewhat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the asymmetrical haircut's still still a good start, but yeah, <laughs> definitely trying to like play up more like femininity. Yeah. And it feels like having her be into a very loving relationship might have been kind of part of that. I couldn't help but I couldn't help but associate the two, I think, a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, she's also just kind of more comfortable with herself and her spirituality and all of this stuff by that point. She's meditating more. Yeah. It's like, I'm okay to be a woman now. I can, like, let down all those defenses, like. I don't know. I don't think that that was yeah. anyone was thinking that necessarily, but that is kind of the way that that mirrors her. It's definitely an angle you can look at it from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, still, I loved the first time through watching Deep Space Nine when she is briefly made like a commander in Starfleet for the purposes of the war and yeah. goes and works with Damar. That's like one of my favorite art or like par- parts of her story in that in the war at the end where she's just like i'm training you all to be in the resistance cardassians it's super badass (laughs) (laughs) oh the irony yep Uh, she just gets to have such an interesting arc in so many ways especially when it comes to uh, how she relates to cardassians and cardassian characters from them being the enemy to them being just kind of the people she works with and Oh, man, there's just so much to delve into on that. And I don't know where to begin. I mean, she has she has a healthy perspective. She's not like Miles, who's just straight up racist. That's true. <laughs> yeah. You know, through through the show, you see her like work through that and come for, full circle to where she's working with them at the end. Yeah, it's true. She's she has rightfully so much to be angry about. I'm I'm thinking about duet specifically where we get that first season episode about her finding a Cardassian who may or may not have been in charge of a Bajoran death camp, basically. And that's one of the ones where you can draw the most clear parallel between Bajor and the Bajorans as sort of analogy for the Jews of World War II. And that's it's not a secret parallel, definitely. This one is very specifically a reference to a play about the Eichmann trials. But this one is uh, just fascinating in that she gets to, as the victim have this kind of this ending that isn't it doesn't wrap things up neatly it isn't satisfying but it is honest in sometimes how you have to walk away from what happened it was just such an interesting concept to see put into the context of an alien world especially when you're considering the fact that there's still very much this idea when you're talking about World War II and the media of World War II, for a long time, there was just completely no idea of Jews doing anything counteractive to being rounded up and put into camps. And that's part of why uh, all us Jews lost our minds over Inglorious Bastards, because we were just played as the passive victims for so long. There's this 
just awful quote by author Roald Dahl that makes the rounds every now and then about him being like, well, it's not like they fought back or anything. It's like, Ugh. yeah, we did. We had an underground. Mm-hmm. We were working our asses off to try to survive. And that gets played down so much, I think, because I think it makes a group so much more pitiable when you just cast them as people who had a bad thing happen to them and not people who were actively trying to fight back and defend themselves, which is part of what makes the character of Kira so... I know, at least to me, interesting as an analogy for that experience. The fact that she she's a fighter. She is someone who has been fighting her entire life. And that is such a core part of her personality and of her growth as a person. And sort of the parts of herself that she needs to come to terms with in terms of that fight is over. How do I um, marry these two aspects of myself? The part that I have learned to be fighting nonstop and the part of me that needs to make peace with what has happened. And that was a long rant. (laughs) No, super valid. And I think that it's neat to see her be able to, you know, develop individual judgments about individual Cardassians over time. And And Duet is such an important part of that. Yeah, exactly. I feel like it's a turning point for her character at first, because at first she's just like, they're all, they're all bad. And, you know, not giving the system a pass, Mm -hmm. recognizing that there, there were people who were not complicit in the system or who were opposing the system on Cardassia. And she forms relationships with people like um, Takeni Gamore and... I mean, with, you know, with Zial, so she forms a weird relationship yeah. with Dukat because they both care about Zial. With Damar, even after he killed Zial. Which is weird. They all just kind of forget that he killed Zial or, like, they don't find out. And the audience is just kind of left going, hang on. Hang on a minute. I think, do they, I can't remember if they, like, never address it again or if they just are really, like, kind of... Like, it's, it's like, simmering tension. Because Garrick is also part of that yeah. operation on yeah. Cardassia. But it certainly feels like Damar has to undergo a radical shift, um, as well as a character, to get to that point. So it's neat that, you know, there's so many of these characters that have such big changes. Kira, I think, has, has one of the best character arcs over the seven seasons. Yeah. And hers is definitely one of those character arcs that we love the characters. We're invested in all of them, but I think hers especially is one that you you want to believe in in terms of come not coming out the other side of a bad thing that has happened to you, but learning to take that and go forward. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Well, we have a few more aspects of Kira to talk about, um, including her friendships on the station as well as, um, you know, a couple other key episodes. But before we get to that, wanted to tell you a little bit more about Text Expander. And it's exciting because Text Expander just came out with version 7.0, which is now available for download. The latest update brings a fresh new experience that makes Text Expander easier to navigate. And it's something anyone and everyone can use, all wrapped up in a whole new streamlined look and feel, like the Defiant after it gets refit. Ooh. Ooh, made, made it topical. <laughs> in, in this version, you'll discover a new interface like those those glasses that they wear on the Defiant <laughs> that let them target things. 
Just like that, Text Expander has a new interface that's easier to use, more responsive, and offers functional improvements to make Text Expander more interactive and engaging. They haven't figured out the 3D hologram thing, so you can talk to an opposing character on the bridge of your ship yet, but we're assuming that's in version 8.0. Yes. Text Expander 7.0 does include enhanced snippet suggestions, improved conflict management, better accessibility, and the edge you need to win the war against the Dominion. Check out what's new in Text Expander 7.0 by getting Text Expander today. Show listeners get 20% off their first year. Visit textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more about Text Expander. And don't forget to let them know that Women at Warp sent you. That's textexpander.com slash podcast. So back to our discussion. <laughs> One thing I definitely don't want to, us to miss is um, talking a little bit about Kira's friendships, I guess, particularly her friendship with, with Dax, but open to other friendships you want to throw out here. Well, it feels like her ability to make the friendships that she does is such a sort of signal of her growth as a character and sort of... I don't want to say growing beyond being angry, but learning to make peace with the situation as she is in and even kind of coming to care and love about these people who she initially didn't even want to be around. And that's beautiful. I very identify with the part of Kira that's like, oh, Tetsuya, I don't want to go to a party. (laughs) (laughs) I did talk to Nana about their friendship once. And the thing she said was that she wishes that their friendship had gotten as much time as Miles and Julian's. Yes. We definitely touched on this on our Friendships and Trek episode that for some reason, guy friendships are just treated as being a lot more interesting than women friendships. wonder why. It's like guy friendships, they get to do things that don't involve just talking about women in their lives. Or playing dress up. Yeah. Yeah. Although, let's be real, Bashir and O'Brien play a lot of dress up. That was, yeah, but we only got to see Dax and Kira really, like, I think the Camelot thing was the only time we saw them. I know, but it stands out so much to me. I know. (laughs) I don't normally dress like this. I'm just saying I'm not opposed to dress up, but even then it was like, you know, Jadzia was into this being kind of a romantic adventure. Yeah. And a lot of the other friendship they moments they have are about talking about about men that they're interested in but i will say that there is there are a couple really great moments there's one moment i know where i think it's in blood oath where dax asks kira about killing someone because because she's thinking about killing the albino and kira talks to her about you know how i guess like traumatic it is it, it was to have to kill people and um, and I think that's like a really powerful moment in their friendship. Wait, so they, they passed the Bechdel test by talking about murder? Yep. Okay. <laughs> that's on brand. That's really on brand for Kira. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, I'm, I think that one of the other, this is, a, this is sort of back to a relationship moment, but I think that one of my biggest Deep Space Nine regrets is that we never got to see any of the conversation that Odo and Kira have in the closet at... Jedzia's bachelorette party. That must have been amazing, yeah. Because it's like after the whole thing where he almost gets the gets Rom killed during the occupation because he's sleeping with the female changeling and forgets to co- like, you know, to execute this plan to take back the station. Weird. And they just hash it out in a closet at the bachelorette party and then they come out and they're like, "Wow, we talked all night and it's all fine now." <laughs> I know they didn't have time, but I'm just sad about it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I just hate how much the women's friendships are trivialized and just their interpersonal relationships are put on the back burner. 
Yeah, I think we have got a lot more of that in at least Discovery. Oh, totally. Yeah. So it's changing, but for sure. It had a long way to go. Yeah. Yeah. With with Troy and Crusher and Kira and Dax, I think we definitely had that problem. Troy and Crusher and Kira and Dax both get just random hanging out times when they're dressed in funny outfits and talking about men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Less calisthenics with Kira and Dax, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... I, I don't think we need to talk too, too much about Intendant Kira, but I would uh, recommend that listeners go listen to our episode Ripped in Machiavellian on the Mirror Universe. Uh, we yeah. also talked about Intendant Kira in one of our episodes on women villains, which that's a, a multiple part series called The Baddest Women in the Universe. And we also talked about Intendant Kira recently in our kink episode. So we've talked about her a lot. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of Intendant Kira discussion. Although if there's any thoughts on like how that, you know, makes, you know, affects Prime Kira. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does what we see in Intendant Kira say about what the writers think about Prime Kira? Hmm. I don't know. I don't think that the writers think that Prime Kira is like necessarily repressed. I don't think she's as sexualized as some of the other female characters. So the fact that we have hypersexual mirror version of her, I feel like says something. I also don't get a strong impression that Prime Kira cares particularly about the existence of Intendant Kira. It's not like, you know, if I met my evil mirror twin, that would probably mess me up and I would be overthinking about what that actually meant about me for a really long time. But but oh, Prime yeah. Kira just is like, uh, who's this amoral <laughs> sex fiend Kira's seen too much to be bothered by this really i think she's just like just over it already she's like ah great this is happening now i mean if i was prime kira i might be kind of like cisco and be curious about you know what happened to the family members that that i lost in the prime universe i would be very curious too and it's kind of surprising that we considering how much you know the things that happened to kira and her family are part of her backstory that we don't see much more of that from Intendant Kira other than, you know, hyper sexy lady. Yeah, well, even in in the Prime universe, it's really only Wrongs Darker Than Death or Night where we actually like meet and get them named and talked about a lot. Yeah. But yeah, that's a a powerful episode that I think deserves an entire episode analysis on it. Oh, definitely. Uh, We'll add it to the list. Yeah, but it is um, an interesting one to look at Kira's complicated relationship with her mother who was absent for most of her childhood and the feelings that she has about her and like abandonment and collaboration and all of this even while kind of knowing intellectually that there wasn't really a good choice yeah so what did you all think about you know in the deep space nine documentary as well as in the post Deep Space Nine novels, they posit that Kira becomes Kai at some point. Thoughts? I wasn't in for that. I mean, I liked I liked Kira just being as kind of being a religious person, but not having that be like her defining trait, which is kind of, I think it's too easily done to have someone being, having a religion be made too big of a defining trait for them. And when it can actively just be you know, part of someone's life. It doesn't have to be their entire personality. But it also feels like it's possible that there could be growth in that direction, but it feels like way more growth than we've seen Kira previously make. And it feels like her putting aside a lot of things that 
the Kira we know and see prioritizes. Yes. She is someone, though, who's always up to do the work that needs to be done. That is true. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like a lot of the Starfleet people are there because they have, like, this abstract idea of doing good or using their gifts to do good. Whereas Kira's like, my planet needs me. I'm going to do the work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really true. But I feel like... I I feel like it is being a Kai res- really restricts like your ability to have relationships with people and you know to like there's a certain type of appropriate relationship that you have as a Kai I guess unless you sleep with a Parath. <laughs> also she just she just strikes me as being too much of a wild card to be a religious leader. Yeah, I just don't like the idea of her being like more tied down. I feel like, yeah. like what she she, you know, she's been serving her people since she was a child out of necessity, and she's still serving her people, but she's also learning to have balance in her life, which is something I think, you know, a lot of, of people actually, you know, do struggle with this idea of, like, you know, taking care of yourself in order to take care of others. And to me, like, taking on the role of Kai, it just feels really hard to like reconcile that with the growth that she's been through in terms of learning to also just like enjoy her own life more. Mm-hmm. But that can make such a good spinoff. It's like the queen, but the Kai. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. They'd have to have a new cast every every two seasons or so. It could be a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it really says something that the whole series ends with her and Jake. Yes. And that she's the one who's going to carry everything on. I think yeah. that's what that, what that was saying. Well, and before she becomes the Kai in the novels, she just becomes the commander of the station. And then Ro is the security chief and it's dope. And I'm super into it. I'm just like, please give me twice as many angry Bajoran ladies. Yes. <laughs> just have Ro and Kira hang out and go on adventures or something. They could have a Thelma and Louise space road trip. Yeah. Because I mean, you know, this is one of those things we all always say, like, you know, there, you know, there's never any idea that like, oh, we have too many white guys on this straight white guys on this show. So like, why can't there be a thing where you could have two, two fighty Bajoran women? No reason you can't. Also, it's cool to like, kind of put the other put Kira in the other position of having someone who's anti her authority. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, yeah, I'm against authority unless I'm the one in charge. (laughs) <laughs> Does anyone have any any, you know, highlights from Kira's journey, moments that you found most powerful that we haven't talked about already? Just the indignance in her voice when she has to do Alamarine. <laughs> <laughs> Just the incredible I hate this in her voice. Another one of my slightly a slight nitpicks is in Bada Bing Bada Bang that the only thing she gets to do is seduce Frankie eyes. But her dresses look amazing. She was a member of an underground resistance. She's got so much spy shit under her belt that she could have done. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, she sells it. Yes. And and the wardrobe sells it. And I, I love it. But I I feel like she could have done more. Definitely. All the women in that show, actually, are just... <laughs> They're all, they all look amazing, but could have gotten to do a lot more. Like Cassidy's job is to cry yeah. and distract the guard. And Esri's job is to be cute. Yes. Anywho. We have opinions. Digression. Yeah. <laughs> I just, uh, wrongs darker than death or night just always mm-hmm. comes back to me about how you can have complicated relationships as a character and not have 
those be like the defining thing about you, but also just that sometimes you have a complicated relationship with someone who means a lot to you, who may or may not still be in your life. And sometimes you just kind of have to sit with it and that there's not always going to be closure for that. And that's not okay, but that's how it goes sometimes. And just seeing Kira kind of deal with that is, it was important to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you, Sarah? Do you have any Kira moments we haven't talked about? Well, speaking of complicated relationships, I do like her complicated relationship with Quark, where he is yeah, a scoundrel, yeah. but he also helps the resistance. So in her book, she's he's kind of a good guy. <laughs> yeah, I um, I like how much grief she gives him, but ultimately, you know, yeah, she's she understands that he can be useful too. Yeah. Or what's the episode where like he's in serious trouble and she steps in and says, "No, the Bajoran government is protecting him for what he did Ooh. for us." Wasn't yeah. that the one where he, like, sells arms or something? Oh, possibly. It's been a while <laughs> since I saw that one. I also like that she has a bit of uh, moments of, like, kind of maybe mentorship with Lita. Yeah, a little bit. But the other episode I, w- I wanted to mention was the darkness and the light. Yeah! Which I think is, like, an interesting example of maybe, like, you know, kind of like a 90s attempt to, I don't know, like, she's basically kind of... It's it's a bit of like a, a like a um almost like a feminist horror retelling kind of yeah a little bit yeah you know like she's pregnant and this killer is trying to kill her and all her resistance friends and she's like pregnant and tied to like a table in his house but not the baby the baby takes precedence yeah well and I mean it's because she's pregnant that she escapes like yeah. I think there's a lot you can di- dissect there but. It definitely feels like like some of the cool things that were going on in the 90s to try to like rethink the way that we do horror and the female yeah. body. Yeah. It's got kind of a there's a little bit of a Rosemary's Baby bent to it, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Well, and also, you know, like that, yeah, she she manages to get out of it not in spite of her pregnancy. But kind because of, of because it, yeah. Because of it, yeah. but also because of who she is and, and the fact that she's strong and smart Mm. but also that episode is is kind of hard to watch and a bit traumatic (laughs) yeah it's 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 an experience (laughs) but there's so many good good kira moments it's it's kind of hard to pick Mm -hmm. and uh it's good that you know there's also many moments of her getting to have fun and you know go on cool missions and stuff yeah it wasn't wasn't all super dark Mm -hmm. i'm glad i was watching someone like her in my formative years I'm glad I was watching someone like her during my college years when I really needed someone like that, I think. Someone who was representing that, yeah, you're going to get mad about stuff and that's that's okay. It's how you live with that anger that's the really defining part. Yeah, we definitely have a lot or hear from a lot of people and I think it's pretty common in the fandom to hear from from particularly women who's like, Kira showed me it was okay for a woman to be angry. Yeah, because women being angry is all is seen as just such a no-no in media it feels like i feel like we would also be remiss if we didn't point out the the point that nana has made on on a number of occasions too about you know the fact that kira essentially was a terrorist yeah and that-, that would not have flown in modern television especially not post uh 2001 yeah i feel like maybe you could do it now that things are like yeah. gritty and complex but it wasn't something that was being done all the time. And being able to have, you know, her 
what she went through and what she did in order to survive and for for the cause of her people recognized but not being like you know it wasn't glamorized that like how many people she killed like she she did have regrets about it i think was important and i think it was really important to see her in action because women being assertive in the workplace is still a very very tricky thing today oh absolutely Mm -hmm. and she's just a wonderful role model i think in that aspect yeah yeah for sure absolutely we just love kira i don't know if you've picked that up yeah yeah kira's so great (laughs) yeah well, I'm glad we finally got to devote a whole hour to just, you know, saying nice things about Kira <laughs> and um, maybe casting, throwing some shade at, at her ex-boyfriends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think it's it's hard to overstate how important she is to a lot of fans and in the fandom and as a groundbreaking role for women in Star Trek. Yeah. Well, if there's nothing further uh, for today. Beryl was a flavor. He'd be mayonnaise. <laughs> Uh, yeah (laughs) well um so that is about all the time that we have for today Mm -hmm. grace where can people find you elsewhere on the internet you can mostly find me on twitter at bonecrusher jank and you know pondering the mysteries of whether i could work either shoulder pads or an asymmetrical hairdo or both and sarah you can find me on Twitter at Sarah Miyoko, S-A-R-A-H, Amazon Mary, I-Y-O-K-O. And you can find my fanzine, Star Trek Quarterly, on Facebook. And I'm Jara, and you can find me on Twitter at J-A-R-R-A-H Penguin. That's at Jara Penguin. And you can also find me in The Resistance. <laughs> uh, to learn more about our show or to contact us, visit womenatwarp.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Women at Warp. You can also email us at crew at womenatwarp.com. And for more Roddenberry podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com. Thanks so much for listening. Jara, what are you resisting? The man. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah! <laughs> This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.